I've done a couple episodes about EMDR, and I cannot stress enough how amazing this therapeutic process is. Everything I hear about it, knowing that my wife had gone through an EMDR therapeutic process years and years ago and how it benefited her. And I think some of you know that our facility at Fire Mountain, we use it with the kids. But I want you to understand why, because parents who listen to this show are hearing these terms, right? Their kid goes to an acute unit for a couple days and then they uh, get sent home and they're told, your kid needs CBT and DBT and EMDR. I want to explain what, I want my guest to explain to me and you what EMDR actually is, why it works, how it benefits, because I quite frankly, and off the air, my guest and I were talking about it, it, it it's like magic especially when there's trauma involved. Trauma feels like a pretty hopeless battle that you're fighting. If you've got a, if you've got a young girl who's, who's suffered a, a, a horrid sexual assault or a rape, and now is 15 years old and they're cutting and they're using and they're running away and they're acting, ah, how EMDR can get into that. My wife at 14 years old was in a car accident. Her EMDR was to deal with the car accident trauma. So it really, and, and there was there was head trauma in there as well. So there really is a, EMDR is dealing with a lot of traumatic issues, big T's and little T's. And it's amazing, and I want you to know why. So welcome to this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. I'm your host, Aaron Huey, and my guest is Elion Rosenbaum. Elion, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate appreciate you. We connected on LinkedIn, is that correct? Yep, yep. Thanks for having me. Excited to oh, be It's here. my pleasure. Uh, I, I, this is where these things are paying off. We, we just started talking on LinkedIn real quick. You started talking about EMDR, and I was like, oh my God, yes, because this is... This is an important one. So let's talk to the parents, my listeners, about who you are, why you do what you do. And I have a trap question for that that's going to put you on the spot. I hope you don't mind. My trap question is, what happened in your life that made you want to get into the mental health world to help other people? Those of us in the mental health world, we all have a personal connection to it. I want to know what yours is so the parents know that they're listening to someone who's who's had a connection to it. And then your, your, just your experience with education and where you're working now and why you're doing what you're doing. So Elian, take it away. I am a mental health counselor. Um, I recently trained in EMZR therapy. I can say that it has completely changed um, my approach and my perspective, my outlook for therapy. I now am really able to conceptualize everything through a trauma lens. And to speak to what you were talking about before, the idea that trauma doesn't have to be a major car accident or an assault or, uh, you know, childhood abuse or neglect. It can be, absolutely. But it can also be just something as simple as... Um, uh, you know, standing in front of a classroom and being humiliated by your peers. Um, you know, uh, uh, fear well, we talked of, about seeing something on Facebook that that you know horrifies you, an animal abuse video, and you can't sleep, and you think about it, and you yeah. shake, and sure. that's trauma. 
Sure. So trauma is essentially anything that the mind can't actually process. It gets stuck. It gets stuck. And we spoke about this a little bit before when we were you know, chatting, um, the idea that the brain is composed of different parts. And when a trauma occurs, it goes into the part of the brain called the limbic system, which, which is the part of the brain that has senses, uh, senses, like all the, the five senses are there, all the emotions are there, um, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very sensory. Um, when trauma occurs, the, the synapses or the neurons or whatever they are that, that connect the limbic part of the brain to the rest, to the, the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the area where we do um, you know, higher order thinking and um, reason making and all that, those connections actually sever. They, they, you know, we get stuck like it's a, like a, a, a freeze, you know, freeze flight um, uh, or fawn is the other one, but um, uh, our response and we, we don't have the connection to that part of the brain anymore. Um, and it's essentially the, the trauma gets stuck in our senses. And that's what a trigger is. When I hear a door slam, uh, it brings me right back to my, you know, abuser who, who, who'd slam those doors. You know, that's, that's a sense it's hearing. Um, when I smell a certain dish that brings me right back to that experience I had at that you know, or, 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 you know, my grandmother who was, you know, whatever it is, um, any of the senses, um, a sight, you know, I, I see something and that brings me right back into that trauma, right? Even though it's in the past, I'm actually experiencing it now because my emotions and my bodily sensations are actually in the here and now. And in I... The here. This is an important thing to talk about, and and I've used in a, in a lot of podcasts. I've used the the demon the example. You're 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 brutalized by someone who's wearing a red shirt and khaki pants, right? They they really cause a lot of physical damage to you, emotional damage. They they've terrified you, and then you go to Target, right? And and. Those people in red shirts and khaki pants are there to help you. They're there they're to serve you. Sure. But there's a disconnect in your brain that doesn't allow you to access the part that says, hang on, wait a minute. Um, these people are helping you. That person hurts you. Your brain is going, danger, Will Robinson. You're Absolutely. in a dangerous environment. And this is important for EMDR as we talk about EMDR and how it works Later, you said you're you're currently working on your licensure. Where did you where where'd you get your master's? Where's uh, where, and where are you working right now? Okay, so I did my master's actually in Hartford, Connecticut, um, at University of Saint Joseph, um, and so that was in, I finished that in 2018, um, and then I started working at Metropolitan Center of Mental Health in the city, in New York City, <laughs> um, and I'm I'm accruing hours there in order to get my full licensure and with the hope that at some point I can open up my own practice. Um, in the interim, I you know I've always had sort of an interest in trauma work, um, experienced traumas myself, um, and so um, uh, um, I've been. I've been I've heard of EMDR all along and I I was told that it is the gold standard for trauma treatment but 
I was very skeptical going in, as are so many people, because we don't really have the same PR about EMDR as we do, you know, about CBT or DBT, as you mentioned before. Um, and, you know, it does have this almost bizarre, magical component. Like, all I have to do is wiggle my fingers and all of a sudden I'm, I'm cured. No, but it's, it's, there's science behind it. It's an evidence-based practice. Um, and there's whole libraries um, of research done on the efficacy and efficiency, serious, serious efficiency. Like literally in a 45-minute session, we can process an entire traumatic event. It's unbelievable. And that would take months with CBT, honestly. I, sorry to say it, but it's true. It will take really months of work to do what EMDR does in a single session. One, um, of, the, one of the things that we had seen also is that once we use EMDR, suddenly the CBT and the DBT, which for parents who are listening, cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical Behavior. I almost said diabolical, uh, dialectical <laughs> behavior therapy. Yeah. What those things, it allows for those things to actually root somewhere That's instead of reaction. Both CBT yeah. and DBT sure. are requiring you to think back, track sure. forward, track sure. back, track forward. Yeah. But if yeah. you're in the middle of a limbic crisis, yes. and yes. especially when you're working in a facility like you work in or like, like, like I run, limbic resonance can take over an entire facility and then you do a dbt group nothing's gonna land absolutely emdr suddenly creates a landing pad for this stuff to really take root it's it's magic and power we keep using this word magic and i think that's where we're gonna have to get next is talk about what's taking place in the brain when we use it but it really creates an environment very quickly very rapidly for healing Yes. Now, I also want to say, for the sake of, and, and again, I, I told you off the air, I have my listener's voice in my head. I have my parents' voice in my head. I have watched seminar leaders and coaches use bastardized versions of EMDR to heal people in the crowd. In five minutes, they get someone talking about an abuse and they're having, and they use it as a breakthrough technique. Mm -hmm. This is a therapeutic process not to be trifled with. I do not personally, and as much as I understand about therapy, I don't go do EMDR on someone. There's a a very significant process and training for this. Talk about the training for a minute, because you said something that I didn't know about your own training Mm -hmm. going through EMDR earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the training. I also just wanted to mention, though, that on the point that you made, you made before. If I can go back for one minute, that EMDR actually is an integrative therapy, and it pulls from the best of all of these different therapies. It uses CBT, it uses DBT, it uses psychoanalysis, it uses. Um, um, uh, uh, gosh, what's the word? Um, it uses uh, exposure therapy. It uses the best from all of these different ones, and it combines it all. And and to speak to what you were saying before, CBT is very effective. There's tons of evidence about that. DBT is very effective, specifically with personality disorders. Um, They're very effective. They're skill-based therapies. So if I'm in crisis mode, and I'm constantly being triggered by everything around me, how am I possibly able to start learning and utilizing these skills? Skills are the last thing on your mind. 
And survival is the only thing on your mind. Exactly. And so until we are able to literally, like the way I was taught was get to the fuel tank that is causing, you know, all of this, you know, despair and crisis until we can put out that fuel tank, you know, turn it off, shut it down, um, pouring, you know, skills on top will just not be effective. It's not, it's, this is this is forming the basis so that the person can have, you know, it, what it does is it takes away the charge of all that trauma. It takes away the charge. And so those triggers are no longer triggering. And once I'm in a safe, you know, I know that I'm safe. I'm no longer in that past trauma. Um, then I can, I can, I can then start using my higher order thinking and start, you know, incorporating these skills and practicing them and, and be, you know, learning new ways of being um, to help myself. But if I'm still in crisis mode, it's going to be, you know, really ineffective. So what does um, training for EMDR look yeah, like? How, yeah, how are so, you trained in it? Sure. So um, I'm trained through an EMDRIA approved um, uh, training program. EMDRIA is the EMDR International Association. Um, and they um, hold, you know, real standards in terms of EMDR. And so if you're going to be looking for an EMDR therapist, I highly recommend that you make sure that the person is EMDRIA trained um, because they, they hold, you know, all the standards. Like what you were saying before, someone can just, you know, say I'm EMDR trained, but that's not, that's not the truth. Um, it, it needs to be through the through the, the uh, association. Um, and so they set sort of tiers in terms of uh, EMDR training. I've done the basic training, which allows me to say I am officially EMDR trained and I can utilize it in my, you know, in my practice. I can utilize it in my work. Um, no issues there at all. Um, if I would like to continue my training and then become um, what they term EMDR certified and in, in order to become an EMDR consultant, essentially to be able to teach other clinicians, um, you know, all about EMDR and, and do the training with them, then that's, that's further training. But m- my knowledge base on the basic level is the same as, as theirs. It's just, they have more consultation hours, more, um, you know, uh, one, you know, hours under their belt that they can say, I've done this work and now I can, you know, reach another level in the training. Um, But the basic training is sufficient for my purposes. (laughs) Sure, sure. You had said off the air, and and I had never known this, one of the things that really impressed me is that to to become... to, to, to be qualified to do EMDR, you actually had to go through it as well. Yeah. So, so I guess, I guess the first question that a, that a parent, my parent voice in my head is saying, you know, wh- wh- how did it work? Like, what do you do? What did you do? And how did that work? Sure. So the actual training, um, the, the, the basic training, which I did is two part training, three days, and then a couple of months later, another three days. And in between that time, we're, we're having consultation hours and we're doing EMDR with our clients. Um, and um, so, from the beginning, the training, the first three days, and as well as the second part of the training, um, 
our, our first opportunity was that the person who was treating us um, asked for a volunteer who had experienced some something that they wanted to process, they needed to process. Um, you know, we term it trauma. Um, and um, so she spent the whole, you know, the whole day going through the different stages of, of the EMDR with her um, and allowing us to observe. The second day of the training, we broke off into groups and um, uh, I was able to act as a counselor or therapist for my partner. And then my partner was able to act as a therapist for me. And so um, the training is really experiential. It's like, you know, you don't really learn to drive until you get behind the wheel, right? Um, and so it's the same idea where uh, I had to uh, experience, obviously, being a, a therapist, but also I got a chance to experience it from the client's chair, um, which was amazing, which was absolutely amazing. Um, uh, I think it was, you know... Because I have that experience, I can speak to, you know, the, 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 I can speak to the therapy about the, 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 uh, the effect of it, the efficacy of it, um, and the ease of it. There's, um, you know, I, I can speak from experience. I've, I've, I've been through it and, um, it's remarkable, truly remarkable. What does EMDR stand for? And, and that'll, that'll bridge us into understanding, like the process, what is the actual process when they sit with a therapist or a counselor who's using EMDR? So what does it stand? It has something to do with the eyes. Yes, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, um, which is super interesting because now, you know, I'm not seeing clients in person. Um, I'm doing therapy over the phone, and I'm still able to use EMDR despite them not tracking my fingers. So we're not That's using eye movement. Phenomenal. We're not using eye movements at all. What I have them do is their own bilateral stimulation. The eye movement is just bilateral stimulation. And actually, this was an interesting question that came up during the training. There is so much research done on the eye movements. Yeah. And, and it shows that, you know, it's been proven that it's helpful. But the, the, the eye movement is really only there because it's bilateral stimulation. And there's two reasons why we want that happening. And so whether I'm getting bilateral stimulation by tapping myself like this or getting bilateral uh, stimulation by, by walking or running, you know, it's just that, that one, two, one, two movement, right? It doesn't have to be this uh, following, tracking my, my fingers. Um, it's just we, we want the bilateral stimulation piece. Um, and it's not that the other, other BLS, bilateral stimulation techniques, aren't as effective. It's just not as researched as the eye movement piece. Um, and I honestly find it better to allow the client to do their own because then they feel more in control and that they have some agency in this whole process. It's not my doing. So there's, there's the tracking the hand movement with the eyes. Sure. There's there's the tapping which you talked about that. Yeah. I heard it also tapping on their palms. Sure. Um, or on their on their thigh, you know, on their thighs, whatever on they On their thighs, on their shoulders, right? Sure. Yeah. And then there's a buzzer thing. I yeah. heard. What, yeah. what is that? What's yeah. that one? So I bought those before I found out that you can just do the same thing like that and it's free. <laughs> they got you. It's um, free. The buzzers are literally like little pulsers and you and you give them to the, the clients and you can control the frequency and the intensity of the buzz. So it will buzz, 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 
us and we want it to go fast during the reprocessing stage um, and then when we're like in a good space to go slower um, because you know they say when you're in a dangerous place you want to run out of there as soon as you can and when you're in a comfortable place you want to you know sit and enjoy and so you allow it to kind of integrate and, 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 and process in that way. Um, but the bilateral stimulation piece is very interesting, right? So um, the way I understand it, you want the bilateral because in that way you are stimulating both sides of the brain. You're getting everything, all your wheels are beginning to turn. So that's one reason why that's important. The other reason is that because we're accessing trauma that has happened in the past, the biggest fear always is that we re-traumatize the person. Um, and one way to make sure that the person doesn't fall back into the trauma and get stuck there and become really, you know, overwhelmed um, and flooded by the, the, the you know, the, the intrusive memories um, is to make sure that they are fully aware that they're here right now. We're in 2020. We're in this office. You're safe this is no longer happening to you. And so you can, you can proceed, you know, safely and, and cautiously knowing that you're here, you know, the, the stimulation, I'm, I'm, if I'm tracking someone's fingers or if I'm tapping, I, I, I know that I'm present. This is where I'm at right now. And I can still go back into time into that memory and not, not feel overwhelmed um, that it's happening again. So while the buzzing is going on, while the person is tapping their own shoulders, while you're moving your fingers back and forth in front of them and they're tracking your fingers with their eyes, they're talking about their trauma? Okay, so this is this is the, one of the most amazing parts of VMDR. I've literally processed people's trauma without knowing anything about the actual trauma. Nothing. It, this is where it starts to come into like magic. Yes, yes. So um, all I have to know from the person who has experienced some trauma, right, is um, first of all, um, what is the negative belief about yourself because of this trauma? And we have what we call the top hit list of negative beliefs, and they cover everything from um, you know, responsibility to safety, to choice, to power, to value. Very common ones are, I should have known better, or I should have done something, or I cannot trust anyone, or I'm not safe, or I cannot show my emotions. Um, I'm not in control. I have to be perfect and please everyone. That's a very common one I hear. Um, I feel trapped. I am trapped. Um, I can't succeed. I can't stand up for myself. I'm helpless. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. I'm defective. I'm worthless. These are very common negative beliefs that uh, occur for people or come out of trauma. And the key here is that these are irrational. EMDR targets irrational beliefs about self, right? So for example, uh, let's say someone uh, experiences an assault and then, the, the, you know, let's say a female, she experiences an assault and she said, I should have known better. I shouldn't have gone to that location where- I should have fought back. Uh, yeah, yeah, I should have done something. Exactly, right? Um, and she starts blaming herself for it for whatever reason. That's an irrational belief, right? Logically- one knows <laughs> this was not in her control. She didn't ask for this, you know, clearly. Um, and so, but the belief is very real. And, and, and she, may, she may really um, 
in her gut feel that way about herself. I should have known better, you know? And then when something else happens at a different moment in time um, that, that triggers uh, that same sort of feeling about herself, it's going to reinforce that belief about herself, right? Um, and so she's going to start believing even stronger that this, you know, this is the case. So what EMDR does is it targets the belief about herself. It targets, I'll ask her, what is it that you believe about yourself? What would you like to believe about yourself? What is your current level of distress? Uh, When you think about that target um, from a a scale from zero to 10, um, and that's just to give me sort of a... um, uh, a, a baseline of where we're starting, and we want to make sure that 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 level of distress is going down during the reprocessing stages, and it always does. Um, and so, um, and then, what emotions do you feel when you think about that target memory? Again, I have no idea what the memory was <laughs> when I'm talking about this specific this specific client. I had no clue, um, but I just said, "What emotions do you feel?" And then, um, what are you noticing in your body as you think about? that negative belief about yourself and the emotions and the image. What are you noticing in your body? And so she's, she's building it. She's putting on the layers and building it all together. And it's very somatic, right? It's exactly what I'm feeling and what I'm sensing. Um, and also that belief, which is the CBT piece, because I said it's an integrative therapy, right? So we have all that combined in a package. And essentially, it's exposure therapy. We're having her go back there with this whole package while knowing she's also, she's safe and she's here and she's present and I'm safe and, and we're, you know, I'm here for her if she, she needs anything. So um, it's allowing her to re-experience it in a way that is, is safe. And also, um, you know, the word trauma, I was, I've been ta- taught that it comes from a Greek word meaning um, wound, and just like if you were to get a wound, like a wound, a cut, let's say on your on your finger, your body works to heal that wound and and repair it, right? Um, and will send white blood cells and all that stuff to try and get things all patched up for you. The brain works the same way. It wants to repair itself. It doesn't want to live with this trauma. It wants to reconnect to the prefrontal cortex and make those connections and make, have reason-making and, and um, meaning-making and, and uh, high-order thinking. It wants to be able to, to process. And so what EMDR does, it, it allows the client to, to make those connections again because what happens and so then well she has that whole package and she starts i say okay so start tapping bilaterally one two one two one two fast and just notice whatever you're noticing um and so i'll let her tap for let's say 30 seconds 35 seconds depending and then i'll say take a deep breath and so she'll breathe so that's her cue to stop tapping and then i'll say what are you noticing now that's all I'm, I'm instructed to stay out of the way. As a clinician, I want to stay out of the way because her processing is all in her mind. If I start adding my two cents and saying, oh, well, actually, maybe that connects to that, then she's just going to be like, wait, wait, you know, I want to process, I need to process this on my own and make my own order in, in my own head. Um, and, and so literally the work is all done by the actual client. I'm just there to be present and sort of witness her experience. Um, is this is this usable 
I work with a lot of parents who who literally come in and say, "We don't know what happened." Like, like she, twelve years old, she was great, straight A student. Thirteen years old, she's great, straight A student. Fourteen years old, she's running away. She's using drugs. She's sleeping around. We know something's wrong, but she hasn't told us. We so even if the parents don't know that there's a big T. They can assume, and and it's interesting what you said because we get a lot of parents who come in and say, we, we don't know what's happened. We don't think anything's happened. We hope something hasn't happened. But every therapist we sent to, our kid to has said, oh, something has happened. Yeah. And and the parents are like, great, what? And the kid's like, nothing's happened. I'm just, I just don't like life. Mm-hmm. This this still fulfills the requirements, yeah, because yeah. you you don't have to know what's actually going on. I don't, and in fact, the the client doesn't have to know either, right? This is incredible. Um, I've I, you know the person who trained me actually, her name is Mara Tester Stein. Um, she's a psychologist in Chicago. Um, she deals with the perinatal population. She's processed traumas that ex- that people have experienced before they were even verbal. And, and memory tends to be formed with 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 words, um, and so the client may not even have remembered the trauma that occurred, but they know that every time they see, you know, a certain person, they get very tense and they don't understand why, or they see, you know, or they have some other sensory something, they they smell a certain smell and that just you know they 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 have a panic attack and they don't understand why EMDR allows the person to build those connections even without actually identifying what the trauma was that occurred it, it feels like this is a process that can bypass the story that continually supports reinforces and sometimes even reconditions the trauma like like you you know we've worked with kids we've worked with clients who essentially they're indulging in the darkness because it's all they know the the reconditioned behaviors i liken it to a stream flowing down a hill i took a picture of on a hike a small stream flowing from a glacier has carved the hillside because every time we repeat the thought it reinforces the thought that's right this is doing what to the brain? Is it just saying because you have to think one, two, one, two and tap your shoulders, your prefrontal cortex is remaining online instead of going offline and diverting all the energy to the limbic system? Or is it more complicated than that? So you're not actually paying attention to the, to the one, two, one, two. That's kind of going on in the background to help you stay sort of present, right? And to get all the, the things flowing in your brain. Um, that's the purpose of that. What I have the person think about or notice is the terminology we use is how they the emotions they feel how they physically feel um, the the belief about themselves and the visualization of the memory um, you know I I often say to my clients can you if you were to illustrate you know that part of your life can you see a picture you know, it doesn't have to be a specific event it can be you know uh, over a course of the years could you just identify how you would represent that 
you know, overall experience. And I, I have no idea what they are, what they're looking at or imagining or perceiving. Um, it makes no difference. I don't have to know. Um, it's for them to know. And, and so they're, again, putting all those puzzle pieces together, very somatic, because like we said, trauma memory is stored in the limbic part of the brain, which is the sensory part of the brain. Um, and so we're accessing those memories and then allowing the person to reprocess it. And just like that wound on your cut will heal, your mind will begin, your mind wants to heal. So your mind will go. And very often what I find for clients is that when we start, it will get worse in the session until it gets better. But even as it gets worse, right? So 30 seconds and I say, what are you noticing? And they'll say, this is so painful. And I'll say, okay, just, just go with that and start tapping. And then they'll, you know, 30 seconds later, what are you noticing now? I'm, I'm finding it hard to breathe. It's, it's really, it's really intense right now. Okay. Just notice that and keep going 30 seconds, you know, just tapping. Um, and what are you noticing now? Oh, I, I you know, I, I, I feel like th- there's a switch that happens where it's like uh, this, this, uh, uh, it's starting to shift. I feel I, I'm starting to view this differently or feel differently about this. And, and, and literally a 45 minute session will go from a, a subjective unit of distress of a, of a nine and it will literally go down to a zero by the end of the session. It's one of the things with medication assisted recovery um, for drug addiction and stuff like that, that, you know, it's, it is, and it will remain controversial, but, it, but, Facilities that employ it and therapists and counselors and doctors who employ medication-assisted drug recovery um, say it's not, the, it's not the meds that we're trying to get the person to focus on. It's the gap that the meds are creating so that the recovery can begin to take root somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like if someone comes in and they're in so much pain because they're not using heroin, it's the meds make them feel okay while they're getting counseling. Uh-huh. And again, I, I see EMDR as kind of this medicine-free, like you say, like there's a switch that happens and because the whole brain is, is active, the body's active, everything's engaged. You're not just in, we call it the seven Fs of the limbic system, fight, flight, freeze, faint, fornicate, feed, and fester. Right. That's that's what a lizard's life is. That's all a lizard does. That's all they can do. It's because they have a, a simple brain, but it is a survival brain. Yeah. And when someone gets triggered and they go into trauma response, you're keeping them out of the limbic system. Or is it that you're allowing the limbic and the prefrontal cortex to work or one to take over? Like, like is, is there literally, is the switch that the energy is transferring back to the frontal lobes or is the switch that the frontal lobes have come back online? We're actually taking them into the limbic system. We're saying we're going there. We're going there right now and, but, but and you, we're accessing you, that. And then what they're doing in, with through the EMDR, through this, just thinking about it, allows those synapses or neurons, whatever they are, to reconnect to the free because you're keeping cortex. them conscious. I'm well, yeah, they're they're conscious. <laughs> I um, mean like like yeah. they're they're going into the survival mode on purpose. On it's purpose. not a 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, they're, they're safe. They're feeling safe. We don't start EMDR until we know that the person has resources and has ways to self-soothe. And it can happen that a person can become, we term flooded, can become a little overwhelmed. And so as, as the therapist, it's my role to kind of step in and, and use what we call an interweave to try and bring the person back to the here and now, you know, um, and, and make sure that they're feeling safe before we go back into that trauma. Um, but essentially, it's, it's that piece of exposure therapy. I'm going to have you access that trauma and the way you felt and the way you believe about yourself and everything. And your mind is going to heal itself. It's going to come to a place of, oh, aha, it wasn't my fault. How could it have been my fault? It's just this, you know, the reason-making part of the brain is now connecting to the limbic system. and, And all of a sudden, I can somehow that's the magic part i don't know but somehow the, the the mind repairs itself and now when i ask the person at the end of the session how true is the positive belief about yourself you know if instead of um i should have known better i did the best i could how true is that and then they'll say it's absolutely true and, and, you know, when I asked them originally in the beginning of the session, how true is that positive belief? They'll say, it's not true at all. I should have done something. So that we really address some of the questions um, that I know parents will have, is EMDR a path to not having to do therapy anymore? So that's a great question. And I think it depends on every client differently. Um, some people who, you know, some people who haven't experienced developmental trauma. Um, it's more just, you know, um, occurrences that they would like to process, you know, like for example, a car crash or something like that. EMDR, you know, you can be there for two, maximum three sessions and fully reprocess and have no problem at all. Um, there's also a future component that we also kind of prepare the person. So in a way that's an exposure of the future scenario where that positive cognition will likely serve that person. And so kind of bringing them there it, it, uh, as a preventative sort of technique. Um, so when it actually occurs for them, they've already done it. And um, so that's, that depends on the person and how, you know, they're functioning and how they're doing. Um, I, you know, I've, I have clients that, or people that I've worked with um, that, you know, two, two sessions or whatever, um, they've been, they've been reprocessed. Um, um, but other people, you know, specifically with dissociation um, or developmental trauma that there's a lot there, um, you know, EMDR can take the person all the way through, but it may take them you know, longer than someone else who, who, who doesn't have the same sort of trauma. But EMDR, you know, can be utilized in totality, like, um, because it, it, it essentially is using those other sort of um, techniques, those other methods of therapy. There's, you know, the association piece is psychoanalysis. There's exposure therapy. The CBT piece is, is changing a, the a maladaptive belief about your yourself to an adaptive belief about yourself. Um, the, the DBT part is the mindfulness piece. I'm here, I'm present. Uh, I'm, I'm not in that, you know, past. It's, it's really taking the best bits of all these different uh, methods of, of therapy and incorporating it into one sort of thing. And, um, you know, definitely the, the, the efficiency of it is, is remarkable that, that you can reprocess something that 
again, would have taken months um, in, in a couple of sessions. It really does. I mean, it sounds and it feels magical, but I have not talked to an EMDR practitioner, uh, a therapist, a counselor who uses EMDR that doesn't agree with those terms. They, they think it's just, it's a game changer in the, in the therapeutic community. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Elian, thank you so much for this. I know my I, I know my listeners got a ton out of this, especially because they're hearing EMDR, you should do EMDR, your kid needs EMDR. And they they want to know before they just find an EMDR practitioner and send their kid to it. Also, thank you for the EMDRIA, the International Association. Thanks for that. That that really helps. That allows parents to say, are you certified through the EMDR International Association to make sure yeah. that there's some standards behind that? Thank you. Absolutely. And in fact, they can also go onto the MDR website and search for practitioners in their area. What's the website that they can find EMDR practitioners? I, I, I believe it's EMDRIA.org. Perfect. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your expertise on this. And thanks for being out there on the front lines of the mental health issues that we have going on in this country. I, I really appreciate you. And I appreciate that uh, we met up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm becoming very quickly a LinkedIn believer. Um, <laughs> and, well, like in, in this last week, I had three shows of, of people who's like, hey, we got someone you want to talk to. I just wrote a book. And but EMDR is something that's near and dear. I watch it work. I'm impressed by it. It looks like magic, but there's science behind this and it's it's pretty profound. So thanks for bringing your expertise to Beyond Risk and Back in my families. Thanks for having me on. All right, parents. So this is just us trying to clarify one more tool, one more support system that is available to your kids. Uh, you you heard her. You use this in conjunction with CBT, with DBT, uh, with exposure. Um, there, there are so many different therapy modalities. Go to Wikipedia and write therapeutic modalities up and look at how many different types of therapy there is. EMDR is an incredible tool. It's making huge waves in the industry. And if there's a trauma, uh, look there first because we're finding such quick advancement in therapeutic process with the addition of EMDR. So parents, remember, as always, you take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. If you are wondering if your child is ready or needs residential treatment programming, contact Fire Mountain at 303-443-3343 or go online at firemountainprograms.com and just take the assessment. We'll help you discover whether or not your child actually does need residential treatment. And if we're not right the right place, we can offer you some supports to help you find the right place. If you're interested in individual coaching for yourself as a parent with me, uh, please go to firemountainprograms.com slash coaching and check out what I have to say there. We've got a few videos. I've got some PDFs for you and have some information. And until then, thank you so much for listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing Beyond Risk and Back. And please go to iTunes and leave a review of our podcast because it helps other parents get the support they need when they're struggling with their kids. My name's Aaron Huey. My thanks to Elian Rosenbaum for joining us on Beyond Risk and Back, talking about EMDR. And parents, we will see you next week.